Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine Podcast Radio. You're about to listen to an episode of Through the Tech Vine. So be quiet, pay attention, and get inspired. There is one truth that is not told enough. Technology is not magic, but it can be magical. Technology is human. It is part of who we are, our evolution, our future. Will it be a dystopian or utopian one? Well, that is up to us and nobody else. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. Right on time. Almost. Look at us. <laughs> look at us. Look, look at us. Even if you're on a podcast, just look at us. Look at the, look at the radio. Look, look at the look at your phone. Look at your smart assistant. Whatever. Look at it. Unless you're driving, in that case, please look, look at, at the road. The, look at the road. <laughs> Autonomous. They can look whatever they want. That's right. That's that'd be great. It's like right. reading a book and do your things while you're going to work, or you can just get a train, and we already have that. <laughs> have you ever been next to somebody on the highway that's not waiting for the autonomous vehicle before they start reading their book or the the newspaper? Like you, every you, now and then, I'll, I'll drive by somebody and they're like, they got the pages in front of them. I'm like, is that safe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we have a problem with giving the okay to autonomous vehicles, but we're letting these idiots drive. Okay, good. <laughs> so I'm I'm renting a car right now, and and the car feels the need to send this really loud, obnoxious, audible alarm to let me know that the car ahead of me has started to move. I don't know if that's common, but that that seems started to move. It, yeah, it, it's moving away from me. So therefore, I should stop looking at my phone. I, I think it's assuming I'm doing. And how, how about you're about to slam into the car? Because that's what that <laughs> no, be more important. That'd no. be a good thing to know. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> my car has that, though. Does has, it? With, yeah. Oh, yeah? If, you, if you're too close, it tells you to brake. Or if you leave the lane. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it uh, comes up with a, it's a sound and a visual. So, yep. Got but me, but does it up. actually tell you? To move because the car in front of you is moving? No, no, just, right. ju yeah, just the, uh, you know, the warning about somebody breaking or something like that. Yep. The lane indicators can be really frustrating. Like that we have. frustrating as well, yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I live in a town that's, you know, established a long time, you know, northeast rurally town. And a lot of the roads are very narrow. They just barely are enough for cars to go on either side. So people are always, you know, somebody puts their mailbox out in the middle of the road for a couple of days because they're for some whatever reason, you know, and you know, you're constantly kind of having to shift around because the roads are so narrow. And yeah, it's like, sometimes it's just like, ee, 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 ee. I'm like yeah. yeah. Mine <laughs> does that when I, when I leave the, when I don't have my, um, my hands on the steering wheel. Because it's supposed to keep the line, but as soon as you leave it, like for twenty seconds, like yep, you have to take control because it's not at level four or anything, right? So uh, you know, it's not autonomous completely. So they still want you to have your hands on the on the on the wheel, and you know, Jim Morrison has been telling you that for a long time with the doors. <laughs> keep your eyes on the road <laughs> and your hands upon the wheel. Upon the wheel, there you go. So, are we gonna be rude or are we gonna introduce our guest? <laughs> Because the people watching us, they already know. They see the name. They see a big red, like bright red yeah. shirt. Yeah, Sixers. There you go. <laughs> and, uh, and and the person behind that and in front of a lot of books is uh, Tracy Infosec Sherpa Mayleaf. Yes. Welcome. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm Tracy Mayleaf, also known as Infosec Sherpa. And I am a security researcher with the Krebs Stamos Group, and I'm thrilled to be here today. And I am representing my hometown, Philadelphia 76ers, and a very big game tonight. So I'm very excited. What what uh, what kind of game? What what are the 76ers? What do they play? Basketball. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Tennis <laughs> and, it's basketball, right? And it, yeah, it's basketball yeah. and it's a big game because this is a, so if you don't know about sports, this will mean nothing to you, but it's uh, Ben Simmons return to Philadelphia. Uh, he was a problematic player to say it politely uh, with the Sixers. And now he is returning with his new team. And if you know anything about Philadelphia sports fans, we are just welcoming and hospitable. So it's going to be a fun evening. That was very sarcastic. It's going to be chaos, <laughs> but I'm very excited to watch the chaos on television. So. <laughs> yeah. I think so I'm from new England and I think we, had, I, I heard you hear things, right. And, uh, when Tom Brady came back to play, I think that that was a big, sort of a similar thing, a big, a big deal with with football. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. and yeah. the other end of the spectrum, though, I think, right, Tracy? Um, <laughs> well, it. Well, I mean, I think a lot of Patriots fans were were not happy with him leaving. No, but there's oh, also right, right, right. yeah. So, but it it is different, yeah, because yeah, Ben really. He really turned on the fans uh, when we did support him initially. Um, so I don't, but this isn't a sports talk, so I won't get <laughs> get into that. But Marco, does this match match up with the script? Oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We forgot we forgot the script again. Let me show you the script. It's a white it. piece of paper. So honestly, Tracy, um, whatever well, there you really want to talk about. There really is an interesting intersection between tech and sports, actually, um, and actually cybersecurity more so because yeah. a lot of these players need to be educated on you know locking down their accounts or or not locking them down because a lot of you know that's part of their brand, right? Uh, and endorsements and things like that. So you figure, okay, an athlete need, you know, will likely be verified, right? If they're a big enough, you know, caliber athlete, likely have to keep things open because it's part of their brand and other revenue streams and things like that. But to educate them on, you know, hey, if somebody DMs you a link for something, you know, be careful about that or what that means. And uh, they're most very likely uh, prone to to catfishing and other sort of social engineering. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot to do with that. And then in the arena too, I've, my husband and I go to a lot of uh, basketball games, a lot of Sixers games. There's just QR codes everywhere. There's all kinds of, uh, and, and again, I don't want to get into the whole QR debate. I know they're, they aren't inherently bad, but again, it's just one of those things. They put a giant QR code up on, on the screen in the arena. And I know it goes to, a legitimate Sixers site, but in my mind too, I was like, wow, that'd be a really wonderful way to, <laughs> you know, to get a lot of people on board, like all the Super Bowl ads and things like that. So it's, um, it's just, it's a really interesting intersection between tech and cybersecurity and sports that I don't think a lot of people really bring up or talk about. Um, I know a lot of sports teams, I actually know one or two people who work for sports teams as cybersecurity analysts. Uh, because you figure they have to keep, you know, their website up, they have to keep their physical security and all the other other security too. Um, and one a fun thing that I learned about someone I knew who worked for a baseball team was that she actually had to work during the games, which initially I thought, like thinking of threat models, I thought that maybe that wasn't something like that she'd have to do. I thought maybe it would be like a typical nine to five, but then it dawned on me. I was like, well, yeah, like somebody, if they wanted to disrupt a game, that would be the opportunity to do it while things were playing and, you know, maybe taking over the website or, you know, something like that. So uh, mm -hmm. I was just surprised when she said how she worked every game and then, you know, thought about threat models like, Oh, Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, that's probably that another sense. topic that I'd like to get into uh, maybe as a conference talk or something, because I do love, love sports. And I think oh. there's, there's a lot of tech and, and security that I don't think we really talk about necessarily. Well, maybe that would be a good conversation on, on one of, uh, of our channel podcasts with the society one or the cybersecurity one. Cause oh, it's, that'd uh, be great. I mean, it's, yeah. it's incredible how we don't think about this and we are so, involved in our everyday life but then when you have such a, a big echo chamber i mean I, it just scared me when you said about the barcode what if like sixty thousand people just scan that and that's been hacked and and all of a sudden like something really bad happened it's kind of like an amplifier for for everything that's uh yeah yeah it, that's 
isn't that also called? And I always, it's a not a water cooler attack, uh, like the water pond. Watering or, hole. It's a watering it. hole attack. Watering yeah. hole. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So basically, yeah. To in my mind, I see the QR code up on the screen of the arena, and and even though I forgot the term, I knew what I meant. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's a great great way to do a watering hole attack. So, um, yeah. The other thing I was going to mention too is that I don't think people think about is uh, the how crucial cybersecurity is for these teams as it relates to their financial value. And I remember explaining this yeah. to someone recently because I said, okay, you could really tank the value of a team if somebody compromised their Twitter, for example, their like verified millions of followers Twitter and said that they were trading their star player or, right. you know, or something like that. And and if you don't follow sports, maybe that's a little hard to comprehend, but like that could really do a lot of things for, you know, that could cause sponsors to get, you know, alarmed that could that could have a lot of financial and yeah. reputational ramifications for a sports team that I think that people really need to factor in when they're doing assessments of, of organizations like that. Yeah. And, and that applies on other brands. I mean, the value of... Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. But I, think, but I think that people yeah. forget that it applies to sports teams. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there is a lot I, of money there. That, that's what Yeah, there's so much money yeah, involved is. in everything. Yeah. And yeah, like, I, I mean, I know that people realize that for, you know, big name brands. But I, I feel like, especially if you're not into sports, you kind of have a blind eye towards the the crucial parts of cybersecurity and tech as it relates to a sports team. So again, as a sports fan, yeah, if my favorite soccer slash football, I'm going <laughs> to football for our international listeners. Um, I cheer for a premier league team, Everton represent go blues, go toffee. Um, so if Everton, you know, had their Twitter handle compromised and they tweeted out, you know, that they were, doing a lot of crazy moves and things like that. Yeah, that not only would upset the fan base, that would just cause all kinds of, of, of damage. So yeah, it's very interesting. And I do have a funny social media story as it refers to a Premier League football soccer team. A couple of years ago, Manchester City uh, did a Twitter chat. And every time they did the Twitter chat, they would use the hashtag ask and then the player's first name. So say it was, you know, um, he wasn't, he didn't play for them, but say Ronaldo would be like hashtag ask Ronaldo. Well, this player they picked one time, his first name was Jesus. And if you know Spanish, you know that Jesus is spelled and looks like the English you know, word Jesus. So for the hashtag ask Jesus was trending <laughs> because of their, their Twitter chat. And uh, some of the, the queries were kind of funny. It was, you know, things like, you know, how can you score so many goals and walk on water at the same time and, <laughs> and things like that. So fortunately in that case, nothing bad happened because people were just having like good fun with it. Nothing, you know, I didn't see any outrage. It was just kind of a funny thing, but you know, that's all it it's just all it takes is one thing to go terribly wrong and you're sinking a brand so uh yeah mm -hmm. so that's and and thus concludes my ted talk about sports and cybersecurity. <laughs> did anybody ask for advice and then say because we want to know what jesus would do i i don't know i didn't follow what it that jesus closely do? when it was happening i saw all of it after the fact and i when i i was a librarian at the time and I remember working it into a lot of my Twitter talks that I would give. I, I used to give a lot of talks at librarian conferences about advanced research tips and advanced use for Twitter. And when I would talk about doing research on Twitter, I'd always bring up that as an example of if you're going to do things like have a Twitter chat or put things out there, like, you know, double check what the hashtag is, mm. you know, for some practical things, like, you know, make sure it's not someone else in use somewhere else or, for, or to mean something else. Um, I mean, I think there's probably been white papers written about all these kinds of faux pas. Um, there was a, a trending hashtag when Margaret Thatcher died and it was just Thatcher died. But if you read it a different way, it said that Cher died. Um, you know, Cher oh. the singer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That so, share died. Yeah, yeah. that share okay. died. Um, yeah. What? Uh, what's another one? Uh, there's also been some just really uh, terrible ones that have blown up in the faces of organizations that maybe they didn't understand 
what the hashtag meant. And I can't remember what the hashtag was, but it was a couple of years ago. And it was something to, um, uh, to speak up against uh, domestic abuse. And a pizza company saw it, and I don't think they knew what it was about. And they put this tweet out, and it was very insensitive. And it just, it, it really came across very poorly because someone who was manning that account or womaning that account, <laughs> steering that account, um, clearly didn't understand what that hashtag meant. So there's a lot of things you have to be but, mindful you of. You know, the, even before the internet, there was a lot of example in marketing and, and, and where you do an advertising campaign where especially if it's international, uh, you need to be careful because sometimes there is a double meaning. Sometimes they use a, a, a word that was a famous one about back in the, I think it was in the 70s or 80s about the, the Nova car. I was going right. to say yes. that doesn't, doesn't yeah. go. Yeah, Which also in Spanish means Nova <laughs> means new. So, I mean, I can yeah. see that, but also no, you can break it in Nova. But I mean, honestly, you just can't, you can't think it over. But I agree with you. A little bit of research, especially when you're, when you're posting to millions of people in the audience, that will be definitely advice. That's why I don't let Sean uh, use the, <laughs> the ITSP magazine I, account. I, I no never know. No, he's not. He's not allowed. <laughs> What's up with you? Why are you wearing a hat? I mean, a I'm, hood. Uh, I'm a are you a hacker? Are you cold? Okay. I'm, I'm hacking today. <laughs> You're hacking today. <laughs> what are you hacking today? I'm hacking news. Hacking news. news now, it's interesting because I think what we're talking about is it's all perspective right um everybody has their own perspective and and i think we're we're presented with information and we can choose to take it at face value or apply our own perspective or our own bias to the data and come up with our own conclusions that may have nothing to do or have no results or impact like the it was intended to and uh, i came i'm not going to use this for my for my news so i'll go ahead and bring it up but there's a there's an old t article about analyzing World War II planes where they're looking at where the planes were shot. Right. And, I love that one. Yeah. 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 And, and actually realizing it's where they, where they didn't come back <laughs> safely, yeah. right? That it was the data that they couldn't see that was really yeah. uh, the data they should have been looking for. And yeah. so having, having that perspective to know what to look for and, and how to analyze it, I think is, is also interesting. Yeah, it's like I think, on your face, but you thought it in a different way. Right. Like, oh, look, that's where all the holes are. So yeah. we need to play that part. Yeah. Yeah. And But those are the ones that came back. So you you need to play the other parts. <laughs> exactly. 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 Yeah. So that's not my news today, but it was yeah very connected to this. No, you're I, burning. I think that, you're uh, burning your news. I'll burn my news. Damn it. Yeah, sorry. Where, where's the social... <laughs> handle i need to you're so unforgiving and complain on social media that marco uh, but th marco. that is a good point information literacy is actually a a, a talk that i've created i'm going to be giving it at uh besides charm actually uh, it's, uh information literacy makes for better information security and again using library science uh to help people you know, better understand all the information they're seeing. And this timing is, is great. I mean, unfortunately, the timing is good because there is a, a, such a prominent real life example of, of what's going on. And I know it's a little bit more work and it's easy just to like and retweet something. But, uh, you know, and it's hard. I see it too. I see a, 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 a photo that I feel like might, you know, cheer someone up. You know, you might find one of those rare photos from Ukraine that's really heartwarming and give people hope. But, you know, I have to stop myself. Like, you, you don't know. That might be an old photo or that could be a doctored photo or it could be something. So I get it. I mean, I, I get the urge that you want to try to share news or share a good sentiment sentiment or something. But, um, yeah, there's I, I've created this talk to try and help people walk through that because I worked for many years at a, in a law firm library. So I had to be very sure that anything I passed along could ultimately be admissible in court, for example. You know, I never knew what information I was handing over was actually going to be used or not. So I couldn't risk it. I couldn't just, you know, uh, you know, I, I had to make sure that everything I handed over, I could somehow back up and, you know, verify 
what source it came from and things like that. Um, that's why I, I am very adamant when things are published online. I love to see the date and the time. Not all publications do that. Yeah. Um, and date and time very clearly. I hate when I have to search for it. Uh, sometimes I even have to look at the source code on a website because there will be no indication when this thing was published. So I'll go and I guess that's what breaking the law in Missouri. Is that where that, <laughs> that was? Um, but I shouldn't have to look at a source code to know when your article was posted. And that actually seems a little suspicious to me that you're not putting a date and time to something because that's, that's context, right? If you publish something, uh, you know, if you publish something before say the invasion of Ukraine, um, you know, that would, and like, that would kind of, that would make sense then, you know, or like if you posted something after, like, I, I like to have context of when these articles were, were posted, uh, because that also kind of gives you an idea of, okay, well this, you know, they posted it then, okay, but this did, X didn't happen yet. So they wouldn't have had that information in there. So that's on, so then let me look for something after this date, because then that information would have been out there. So that's kind of how I think of, okay, let me judge if when these things were posted and, and figure out if it's really the best source. And that's why I love librarians so much. And, <laughs> and I, I'm going to pass the, the, the so we can start with the first news to Diana. But there is one quote that I think you know, Tracy, but uh, it's from one of my favorite um, writers, uh, Neil Gaiman. And he said, Google can bring you back 100,000 answers and a librarian can bring you back the right one. Yeah. I thought you were going to say his other famous quote that has a curse word in it. Yeah. <laughs> about no, I, I went with this one. It's much shorter, but it, it's very relevant yeah. to what you mm -hmm. said. Because it's no, like, absolutely. Yeah. Know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not the quantity. It's, it's the quality. It's the quality yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. yeah, there's a librarian joke that, you know, nobody knows that all the dead bodies are buried on page two of Google results. Um, <laughs> And the, the other one I love is there's a, a coffee mug that says, please don't confuse your Google search with my master's of library and information science degree. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, I, I hate that when people are like, well, I looked it up. And I'm like, yeah, it's on the internet. Like, yeah, I have I have a master's degree that I, I had classes where literally all we did was do research and we were graded on how we did research. It didn't matter if the answer was right or wrong. I mean, to a degree, but I mean, it was like kind of like showing your work in math. I had master's level classes where I had to show my research work and I would be graded on each step. I mean, that's the kind of training librarians go through. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's so it's very important to me. And I don't always get it right because I'm human. And yeah, sometimes emotion takes over. So that's why I have been trying to really resist the urge to retweet things on Twitter. Uh, and it's, it's hard as well, especially, you know, especially now, but um, yeah, I, I just do my best and I try to help people along the way. But man, if you try to tell someone that they're spreading misinformation, boy, do they not like that. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> and I'm not going to name any names, but some of them are infosec professionals that I've had to kind of, you know, privately say to them like, Hey, you posted that thing. And that's, it's not, true and here's some other re you know resource and i'm told to mind my own business and back off and i'm like okay yeah. sorry for trying to help <laughs> so yep. and diana do do animals reshare information that they get without understanding it like whales trees tomatoes lima beans <laughs> Yes, <laughs> they do, <laughs> and that actually is the no way. Is <laughs> way. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that leads us to the the news that uh, yes. Marco and I are bringing jointly because uh, it really it, it, it fits right into you, the kind. You're of ganging thing. up on us. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why my nickname is what Diana said. Yeah. <laughs> so this is it's actually we came across this in Wired and it's an it's a, a book that's being published by Princeton University Press uh, written by Justin E.H. Smith called The Internet is Not What You Think It Is, A History of Philosophy, A Warning. And he's put this excerpt out in Wired. And I have read the excerpt twice. It's extraordinarily dense. There's tons of ideas in hit in here. So the the let me just preface this up front that please go and read this article. We're gonna obviously as we always do post the link um, because I'm sure I'm gonna not have grokked some of these properly and it's really just more for a conversation, but it's a 
really dense and really thoughtful piece uh, that it kind of looks at two things. One is what is a technical advancement? What really advances society, which is an interesting topic um, that I've been thinking about even like this week for anybody that's watching. I, I love a soap opera. I love a good soap opera, which means I love the Gilded Age right now, which is a Julian Fellows soap opera. He did the uh, Downton Abbey. So they're really great soap opera. Um, he This Gilded Age is about folks, obviously, in the Gilded Age, late 1800s and in New York. And uh, they this week, they went to the New York Times building to see it lit up by Thomas Alva Edison because electricity didn't exist. Uh, you know, like it wasn't harnessed, obviously, it existed, sorry. But it wasn't harnessed the way that we use it now. And so this was a big advance. They didn't have to use like the, the coal gas to light the lamps in the house. Uh, which also just makes me, I, my lungs hurt a little sometimes when I think about that. Um, it was a good so episode. It, the Gilded Age, all, this, it was a good episode, yeah. I, they're all, I, I just, yeah. He, Julian Fellows knows how to, how to stir the drama. Uh, <laughs> uh, but so, so thinking about what's a true advancement, you know, when we harness electricity, what's changed? And he's looking at it with the internet, you know, so what it has advanced. And then also what actually just what what is an actual advancement versus what just sort of organic? And do we need to think differently about what humans build and create as artifice versus what nature is doing already? And how do those intersect? And how do, can we separate them even? And as as Marco pointed out, one of the things that he brings up in this, the, 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 the author brings up in this piece is about, um, he's talking about sort of networks and things like Wi-Fi and telecommunications between uh, entities like elephants when they just use their their feet to push down, you know, to, to stomp, and that the vibrations get to other elephants far away. That's the, his argument is that's a form of telecommunication, and you know what it, it is. Um, you know, lima beans. What they do is they use airborne uh, rhizobacteria to send chemical information uh, to conspecifics to other like lima beans and stuff across larger distance, which then triggers in these other, uh, in these conspecifics, defense relation, defense related gene changes. So it's not just, oh, here's something that's going on, but it's here's something that's going on. I'm going to communicate it to you so you can change your, your actual like gene expression to be better able to deal with this change, which is kind of mind blowing. And it's true that that is a very, it's a pretty, that's a complex network. And then he also talks about the wood wide web, which if you look at forests, they're incredibly interconnected networks. And he makes this uh, analogy between the world wide web and the wood wide web and just starts talking about, do we, diff we, we, a lot of us will just say things like the lima bean doesn't know what it's doing. The elephant, we seem to have studied the elephants pretty well. They're, they're incredibly smart. Most there's a lot of agreement that the elephants know that they're communicating. It's not just random, but the lima bean, right? And then he's talking about with with the interconnectivity in the in the forests. Does is the wood wide web an intelligence network if they're not aware of the intelligence? And are we fully aware of what we've built on the world wide web? So it's this really kind of deep. I don't know what you want to add on that, um, Marco, but it's this really deep, thoughtful piece about. What is technology, and specifically, what is the web really? Uh, I'm sure we have Tres no idea what we built, Marco. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I have a point here, and then I'm, I'm sure Tracy has some points too. But what I got from this is what we've always been saying about technology is human, right? So these plants, yes. these animals, and and all of that, they have way to communicate through. Uh, smell and and you know sound waves in under the water that go really far we don't have that i mean we're smart but we don't have that so we have built tools to do this and if you think about technology as an extension of our humanity then i completely agree from a philosophical perspective with the fact that our technology is a, an ecosystem that we're developing because that's how we can communicate faster and farther away. So I want to invite this author to talk about this book on a podcast. That's for sure, because I, I can live and breathe this for all day long. Tracy, what, what's your take on this? Yeah, 
yeah, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, we see this in nature all the time, you know, um, ants, uh, the formations, you know, birds, the formations that they take, that's a form, you know, of, of uh, you know, organization, which they have to communicate. Um, actually, I have a, a true bird communication story uh, at, at our old house. We used to have a lot of uh, geese uh, hang around, you know, um, and I remember one morning, I think it was a maybe like a Sunday morning, it was real quiet and it was a beautiful, clear day and just heard this really loud, I, again, I think they, I think they were geese, but anyway, it was a bird. Let's just say it was a bird. <laughs> anyway, this just very loud, constant calling sound. And I was wondering what was going on because, and it wasn't like a pleasant bird sound. It was, is there a bird in trouble <laughs> sort of sound? Uh, long story short, the birds were fine. Uh, it's just that one of the birds has gotten lost from their bird friends. So they went up to the highest roof on our block and was calling out and looking around because I was watching all this. And then uh, I noticed that the other birds then gathered the lost bird up and then they went away and the noise stopped. Uh, but that I was just fascinated because it was clearly the in bird language saying, you know, Hey, Hey, I'm lost. Hey. <laughs> and uh, it was very clear. You could just tell by their, their body language and just the tone and everything. Uh, you could just tell it was, yeah, it was some sort of, you know, cry for help that I'm lost because then once it reunited with the other birds, it seemed fine and they all flew away. So it was, it, it made a big impression on me because yeah, they, there's definitely that those interconnected systems with animals that I think we probably should pay attention to more, but mm -hmm. maybe the ship has already sailed because we've already been, you know, doing this whole, you know, interwebs thing <laughs> for, for, you know, for a little bit now. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of lessons to learn from nature, uh, you know, plant, you know, flora and fauna about communication and interconnected things. Yes, definitely. And it, it's, it's interesting to me that he's starting to, at least I think, cause this is the expert I, excerpt, I suspect it's tr trying to draw us into the book and then there'll be a lot deeper discussion in different areas of the book. But um, one of the parts of the discussion is that it, it's partly do human beings set ourselves apart because we think, well, because we can write our language down and therefore share it with each and print it. We thought of all this stuff that that somehow makes us better than all the other creatures on the planet. You know, is, is that so I think he's, he's going to kind of dive into that, which is, is interesting when you think about if we all have to live together and, and exist on this planet together. Is it useful for us to remember that we're not? the most important things were part of a, a bigger whole. Um, and then, and also just in, in terms of like, I, I wonder if he's going to dive a little bit into what happens when you have the power to maybe go faster than how nature would have gone, which is what I think we've done with the internet. Whereas we, we had, you know, we were, we were good at our own, communication among human beings and we had started to you know we could run 26.2 miles to send a message although i guess the messenger died at the end of that um but not anymore with marathons you know we, we sort of had had these these different ways that we communicate out but now we really have amplified that to the back to your point tracy of, of earlier about we're getting tweets that look from all over the world that look like, is this real? Is this not? It's confusing. We're trying to figure out what's what did we, maybe the internet and maybe because this is like the last part, it's a history and a warning, right? Maybe that's his warning is as we got a little bit ahead of ourselves because nature tends to evolve slowly with these uh, abilities to communicate and amplify. Did we get sort of too far? And maybe that's now causing some of the problems with, disinformation that we're seeing because remember back there was a time when early in the internet where they were thinking disinformation would end because you couldn't spread propaganda and say x is happening here because here are all the people with their phones taking pictures and, and video and audio recording right like decades ago that was a, that was one of the things that got positive mm -hmm. and now here we are and we're seeing that, and, and we've seen different examples of it, but you know, right now we're seeing yet another example where it, rather than everybody going, we know we can get the ground truth, we're still struggling to understand ground truth. And I don't think we anticipated 
encrypted uh, channel communications like oh, Signal yeah. or WhatsApp. Uh, a lot of I, I've you know looked in. I've I've had I've done research in this area. Uh, a lot of specifically COVID disinformation or misinformation or malinformation has been spread through WhatsApp groups or telegram groups or things like that and which you know have maybe some degree of public exposure but basically you have to be invited into the group or if it's a strictly private family group and things are being passed around but but the other thing that i find interesting is i i i love i say this sarcastically how some people uh think that this whole misinformation disinformation malinformation because they are you know three separate entities um is a fairly new thing. This has been going on for, you know, probably since we all first started speaking and writing. It's just that, you know, for example, when I when I grew up, when I was a kid back in the 80s, a million years ago, um, you know, yeah, now I some of the things that I was told or, you know, passed along to me, we didn't really have necessarily an easy way to fact check because we didn't have the internet. Mm. Um, and sometimes things weren't really fact checkable. <laughs> you know, it would just be things that would yeah. be passed down. You'd be at a family event and somebody would say something um, or you'd hear things at school. And maybe you're, I remember that our only recourse really was to ask an adult to verify it. But I mean, if they weren't, I mean, seriously, that's what I remember doing, like asking, an adult, right? asking an adult, but yeah. And then when you're a kid, you don't really know any better, but yeah, in hindsight, like, well, the adult. Yeah, my my dad said that. So yeah, exactly. Up. Yeah. No, you shut up. Yeah, exactly. So if it was a parent, then you would defend it. So yeah, it's not that any of this is new. It's just that it's, it's more prevalent and it's faster, which makes yeah. it, in my opinion, more dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, now that we know that anything can be doctored, text or photos or anything. Uh, so I totally get to what you're saying. I could totally see how people saying, oh, well, there's so much proof out there with camera phones that people can get more truth out there. Well, that, yeah, that turned out to be false, right? Because <laughs> people can, you know, manipulate that or they can also choose to look at things differently. Like, like we were saying earlier with the hashtags, you know, you could read things yeah. different ways and mean it. So, yeah, I think that probably, if I'm going to guess here, it was maybe the biggest surprise of just kind of to society in general of how quickly now our telecommunication networks can spread the MDM, the mis malinformation just so quickly and yeah. how often it, is presented as real information because it can be made to look that way. And yeah, yeah it's, that's really frightening and it's hard. It's hard to fight. Uh, Cause like I mentioned earlier, when you try to bring it up to someone, they, I, I've more often than not, people get really defensive about it. They either don't want to be told they're wrong. And that's why you have to be very careful how you present it to them. Cause it's not like you're trying to tell them they're wrong. It's just that, well, here's the, you know, correct information. Um, or they'll just dig in their heels because they believe so strongly about yeah. it. Uh, so yeah. it's, I, I don't have any answers um, other than I just try to ask people to verify sources or just catch yourself. I actually did a mea culpa, I think last night I did it or this morning or yesterday. Time has no meaning to me anymore. I don't remember <laughs> time. Uh, I tweeted something about uh, Leonardo DiCaprio uh, donating $10 million to the Ukrainian army because his grandmother's Ukrainian. And again, the source that I saw it from originally, I thought that was a reliable source. And I did do some supplemental research to try and and see if there was any other chime in about it. And I didn't really find anything, which in hindsight should have been my red flag. Mm. But this is what happens when you tweet at 11 o'clock at night, which is also why I try not to tweet, tweet late at night anymore. I never want to tweet after midnight. Nothing good happens on Twitter after midnight, whatever. Absolutely. Whatever, yeah. it doesn't matter what time zone you're in. If it's after midnight where you are, <laughs> nothing good happens on Twitter. Maybe social mm -hmm. media in general, but specifically Twitter. So long story short, I now, I, I remember my tweet was saying, well, why aren't we talking about this? Like I would have thought people would have been talking about it. Well, people weren't talking about it because it's not necessarily true. It's also, it's very fuzzy. So he does have a Ukrainian grandmother, 
she was technically born in Ukraine, moved, moved to Germany, so maybe was more considered uh, of of like of German nationality, but not heritage. Uh, and he and allegedly he was close to her, but again, it's hard to tell because when it comes to celebrity gossip, I don't really know how you you, re you really find good resources for that. And he did give money, so again, I think somebody kind of took all these bits and pieces. And allegedly, the original site to post it is some Czech Republic site, which I did go to and didn't see anything. So again, my and I made a mea culpa on Twitter. It's like, look, I messed up. I thought this was right. And again, I didn't think it was any harm because it seemed like it was positive. But I, you know, again, I'm human. And I so I came clean like, look, this is doesn't seem to be true. There seems to be bits of truth. So here's information. Go make your own deduction. And yeah, and that just was a lesson for me. And I, I don't mind sharing that because I'm not trying to uh, to say that it's easy to do this and that no one's infallible about putting out information. So I don't mind sharing my failures because I want people to understand that it's something we all have to keep working on. And it's easy. It's so easy to get caught up in, in stuff. Sure is. Uh, yeah. I'll quickly say, I mean, you're, you're touching on so many things here. Tracy, I mean, just the, the depth, the breadth, the scale, the speed. Um, I mean, there's so much information. You, you talked about multiple parts. You, each one individually might be true. Connect them together and they make bullshit. <laughs> and yeah. and uh, it all comes to, for me, two different things. What, what's the intent of the collection of information and the presentation of it? And then what are the checks and balances? And, and this is where it's interesting for me is I think, we can accelerate technology to get information, pull it together, share it, talk about it, have feelings about it. And, and, but I don't know that we have the, the checks and balances to follow suit uh, there. I, I think we're kind of left on our own and Tracy, kudos to you. I mean, you took the time after to go back and, yeah. and, and, and put that message out there. I don't know how many other people do that. I mean, they, they do the post, yep. they do the retweet, they're on to the next thing and, and who cares, right? Um, yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, and it's, it means much to me. And I also, I feel like I have a personal responsibility that if I'm going to be giving these conference talks of telling people that some best practices, well, I better practice what I preach. And that means failures too and where I messed up. And I did think about it. I, I did have the first thought of I should just delete the tweet. But then I thought, well, that doesn't really solve anything because you already put the information out there. Mm -hmm. You know, sure, the tweet will go away, but screen caps last forever, <laughs> right? And I didn't want to hide anything. I, like, I messed up. So that's when I decided, all right, how am I going to go about this? So that, yeah, so that's why I took that approach because I was just trying to think of what's, what's the, you know, the most responsible way, in my opinion, to address this. And that's how I, you know, I did that. Um, so, yeah, so thank you for that. I'm just, you know, like I said, I'm just trying. And and something you said uh, actually just reminded me. Uh, I liken a lot of this. Have you ever seen the cooking show Chopped, where they yeah. give you a basket full of food? I, I kind of feel like that's a good analogy for misinformation and, and disinformation and things like that. Because you, like you were saying, like you can pull things from different places. Yeah, you can pull liverwurst and strawberry preserves, you know, to, together in a dish. Does that necessarily make it a good dish? Right. <laughs> you know, like it's that kind of thing. Like you open up, you know, you, you're on chopped, you open up the basket and there's all these like fakakta things thrown together. Mm. And you're it's supposed to scorpion make- scorpion lollipop. <laughs> yeah, you're supposed to make something from it. And sometimes it's a, it's a su success, right? Sometimes- you know, you're blown away. But yeah, other times, yeah, you get some really crazy combinations or, or you know, unsavory combinations. And I feel like that's kind of the same thing with, with all this information. When you start pulling Frankensteining or Frankenstein's monstering <laughs> information, if you're pulling things from different places and slapping it together and calling it the truth or calling it a dish, you're either going to get chopped or you're going to, you know, have the the monster run loose so uh wow i need to remember that for a future talk i think i like that whole imagery <laughs> there yeah. well that's why i brought up the, in, the intent piece um, and i don't know if we just think of fire as technology right it probably mm -hmm. took us a lot of tries to figure out how to start it how to keep it how to use it and when we burnt ourselves we thought 
Okay, we're not going to do that that mm -hmm. way again. Right? We'll try try something different. And I, I just don't know, unless it's in the healthcare space, where where perhaps somebody's life is in in jeopardy because of misinformation or something. I, I just don't think we have the 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 checks to say, "Ooh, that hurt," right? Because it when does it hurt? And in, in does it hurt us or does it hurt somebody else? And do we care enough mm. about the somebody else that, that we hold that check back? I don't know. And I feel so, like that's a great segue so to, if I, if you don't mind, because I'm keeping an eye on the time here, if I can bring up my article, because I really wanted to, yes, to bring this up. Um, I apologize. I feel like I've been like taking control of the whole <laughs> conversation. Oh, no, that's, that's <laughs> Otherwise people always hear us blobbing. So, you know, at least they're making some really good points. Great. Yeah, thank you. Like <laughs> so the article I wanted to mention, I believe it's actually from uh, 2019. Uh, it's from DW, which is German for somebody help me here. It's a Deutsche Welle or something like that. Uh, but anywho, I just want to, again, give the citation of what I'm looking at here. So it's the topic of digital colonialism. So the title of this article is Digital Colonialism, Cheap Internet Access for Africa, But at What Cost? And I wanted to, to mention that as, as my starting point of what I wanted to talk about today is, I, I, and I don't think that this is an area that enough people are concentrating on, is Africa as a whole, uh, as far as technology and cybersecurity goes. And the digital colonialism is a really interesting aspect to it. Um, and, and that's just one, one part of it, uh, because then followed up with the same publication has an article from today saying Russia's re-engagement with Africa pays off. And that's kind of what I'm talking about is so a Africa is, as a continent, is really ripe for you know, positive development for information, for cybersecurity, for technology, but it's also really susceptible and it's already been going on for years for, you know, some negative influences and investment and things like that. There's a lot of Chinese investment in Africa. I know that there's also a lot of Russian uh, integration into Africa. So specifically when it comes to cybersecurity and students and professionals, I do a lot of mentoring of African students and cybersecurity professionals, you know, it, it's a really kind of a tinderbox there. You have a group of really intelligent, smart, willing, eager to learn people that could either learn their technology and hacking skills for the good side or for the bad side. And, you know, I don't think enough attention, I, I unfortunately, I think a lot of, shall we say, maybe some un unsavory influences or maybe pumping more money into that than the influences for good. And that's where you come up with then the Yahoo boys and, you know, other scammers like that, because they can't really make money any other way than through, you know, through black hat hacking. And I, you know, I'm not excusing that. I'm not, I'm not saying that, that they have a right to do that, but I'm just saying, I think if we put some more positivity and encouragement then that can try to help combat all of that. So that's just something I'm really passionate about. And I just, I feel like there's a whole world of tech and, and cybersecurity going on in Africa that people just don't know. So that's why I created my own newsletter uh, that I put out every few weeks of just a roundup of African news stories that deal with tech or cybersecurity. Uh, Cause it's, it's really, it's just really interesting. There's a lot going on there and there's a lot more that could be done. So that was that was what I wanted to talk about today, which also kind of ties into all these other things that we're talking about. Because again, Africa has you know so much flora and fauna that they can also learn a lot of lessons, you know, about uh, you know about how the animals or the plants act, you know, and relate that to technology or their own organization and things like that. Anybody? You know, I have opinions. So, <laughs> the first thing, and I, I thought maybe we, we did a podcast on a book called Manipulated, but my, as you know, my memory is crap. But I, I just think it kind of goes back to the other point, which you, which you noted, Tracy. I think that there's what's the intent? And everybody may not be malintent, but it may be selfish right. intent where this is what I believe or this is the outcome that I'm trying to drive toward and this tweet, this retweet, this 
this uh, way to help these people make money to support my business, whether it's uh, legitimate or not, uh, that those things are going to happen. And yeah, I don't know how, uh, how do we get across the, 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 the barrier from investments in mal from malintent or, mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. or biased intent to, Right. Good intent. And what is good intent? I mean, everybody has No, for own. sure. Yeah. I mean, exactly. it's, it, it's definitely a Sisyphean task for sure. Um, but I'm, I mean, personally, I'm trying to, to just focus on the individual or the small groups. That's why I get involved with uh, like CyberSafe Foundation in Nigeria. I'm a mentor for their cyber girls group, or I just talk to individuals. Um, there's a Kenyan group I also work with called Wentors. Um, so yeah, you're right. I, I'm trying to approach this of a more grassroots sort of way of let's deal with individuals and, uh, you know, let's, and small groups because there's so much stacked against them. You know, a lot of, a lot of corrupt governments, uh, again, and and then a lot of companies, you know, maybe, you know, giving off that they're trying to be charitable, but maybe it it is all just, you know, about their self-interest. So it's, yeah, it's complicated, um, but I just feel like we're not really paying enough attention to, and and that could be said for other regions of the world too. But this is just the one area that I particularly just really fell in love with with helping. And um, I went there in 2018. I went to South Africa in 2018, and there's a lot of uh, advancements that need to be made there. Banking by SMS s text is still very much common in Africa. Uh, which then, and then also the rise of, of uh, digital currency, cryptocurrency, and then you have the SIM jacking and SIM swaps and things like that. So, uh, you know, people who may not have a lot of money to begin with could then easily have it stolen from, you know, a SIM jacker. So it, it, it's just like, you know, how, how do they ever get ahead with, with all this? So I just think there's a lot of opportunity there for for people to you know to kind of level up and that and that's all I I'm trying to do is just try to do my best to create a more level playing field for, you know for them and uh, yeah it's just it's just a lot I just wish more people would would look into it and even just read about it to understand the opportunities and struggles um, in Africa as far as tech and cybersecurity goes. Yeah, and one of the things about the, the certainly with finance and in any country where a large majority of the citizens don't have significant assets is that it's not unusual and where there's a lot of distribution among the more dense areas, it may not be possible for people to bank at traditional financial services institutions. Mm-hmm. Their entire life savings may be $200. So, because I remember this was a concern with M-Pesa years and years ago, um, that you, you, people that M-Pesa was, you know, it's, it's not a, a standard financial institution, that you don't have sort of the, the same kinds of checks and balances. And what happens if somebody's $200 goes missing? And to some people, it sounds like, well, who cares? It was $200. Well, this was their entire life savings. And they didn't have any other option to save their money because they couldn't walk the 10 miles to the bank. And that was the closest. And the, the fees would have gotten to them anyway at such a low investment rate. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think that it's really also who's investing and who's trying to control the message and how are we protecting these people that are desperately trying to protect their own, their, their assets that they've worked so hard for and not allow them to. And I'm not saying that all, uh, you know, because, you know, any kind of fintech or DeFi is necessarily bad. It's just that we do have to also put in place some protections for the people that are putting you know, their entire life savings into some of these systems. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, it, it's definitely a whole different way of, of handling banking and, and tech there. Um, something that really just made a big impression on me is one of my mentees told me one time about how she stays up all night. And I wasn't, I thought I was wondering if it was a miscommunication or something. Long story short, because the Wi-Fi is better when everyone's sleeping. So she'll nap during the day, but will stay up all night to do her schoolwork for university. And that just broke my heart. I mean, 
Yeah. And that's to her, but that's just the what that's how she copes is well, like I can't get anything done during the day because the Wi-Fi is so bad. But it's great at night. So I just make up yeah. for it by taking multiple short naps during the day. And oh, it just it just broke me. And you know, and there's nothing I can do about you know about it. That's that's where she is. And um so you know, I, I just, yeah. so then I just adjusted then. So, you know, nine o'clock at night, my time, I know that it's 3 a.m. for her, but I know she was up. So I would send mm -hmm. her, you know, for example, like she couldn't watch videos uh, until the middle of the night because of the bandwidth. So I then adjusted my behavior of sharing things with her that I would share them at a time when I knew it was the middle of the night, her time, knowing that I wasn't waking her up, knowing that that's when she had good bandwidth to watch things so that's how i kind of changed my behavior um because there there were definitely times because i would try to send her um instructional videos or things you know to help her with her learning that's the kind of stuff i was sending her and uh so i adjusted how, when i was sending it so that it was optimal for her uh but yeah that's that's a lot of what a lot of people have to live with there is just or a lot of times i would have meetings with or set up meetings with my mentees and I wouldn't hear from them. And it's not that they stood me up. It's that there was a power outage and their phones mm -hmm. ran out. Um, you know, so once they were back online, they would send me these very apologetic messages. You know, I'm so sorry. We had a six hour power outage. My phone died. I didn't, you know, I couldn't contact you. So, um, yeah, so it's just patience on my end. If I don't hear from them and when we have a set up time to talk, I just... I, I know it's it's always been it's never been a case that anyone's forgotten. It's always been power outage, and you know I'm like I understand, so you know I don't get mad or anything. Just okay, let's just you know when when are you, when would you like to reschedule, and you know just to understand that things operate differently there. Yeah, we sure tend to forget that we we think everybody is you know, and we get pissed because I don't know instead of one gigabyte down. I get 600 okay, yeah. and I'm like, damn it. I mean, <laughs> hello, but yeah. uh, those are all great point. And I, I know we have to wrap here because we are at the, at the hour. Uh, yeah. I mean, a fantastic conversation because it, it went from the communication, the, the, the concept of propaganda, the concept of cultural influence and, and, and how that can be done with the digital uh, mean as well. Like I can give you access, but you have to use, my product, I'm thinking, or my social media. I'm not going to put a name of a company to it, um, and uh, and and how we need to think in this way for for everyone. And maybe maybe I agree with the with the wood wide web, where the problem comes because we always want more and we always find a way. You know, I, I I'm really impressed by when you said that we could kill fake information or, or propaganda because now we have the fact check and then no then we had to create you know right. fake video and and, <laughs> and fake everything and so yeah. it, that would have been perfect i mean the original idea of the internet for me it was awesome and now not so much but let's see if we can put it back in the can a little bit so thank you so much Tracy, wonderful to have you. You put a lot of different spin into, into the conversation, so we really appreciate that. Feel free to come back anytime you want. Just let us know. Always welcome. And uh, Sean, I'll see you next week. Uh, Diana as well. So stay safe. No, not next week. She's shaking the hand. Okay. Well, I won't see you next week. We'll, we'll see someone else. All right. <laughs> See, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. The show right, will thanks. be there. Somebody will be on. Tracy was on this week. Thanks, Tracy. Yes. Thank thanks you so much for having me. listening. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Through the Tech Vine podcast. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, 
Then share ITSPmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.